Welcome to issue 204 of Critical Encounters, a podcast about Marvel Champions, a living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Here we take a good look at that most critical piece of the game, the encounter sets. We'll discuss those poorly understood characters, unfairly labeled as villains, and their various plans to shape humanity and benefit the planet, as well as those so-called heroes intent on thwarting them. I'm one of your hosts, Boom Guy, and I'm joined today by Daniel. Hello, welcome to the lair. And Steve. Hey, Boom Guy, how's it going? What's up? Yeah, uh, what's up is we have a guest on, and that's you. Yeah, so, that's, that's yeah. me. Spoiler alert, I'm the guest. You are not Mike. Mike's not here, but we have replaced him with your fine personage. And people are going to ask, like, who's Boom Guy? So, uh, Boom Guy, who, who are you? What, what would you say you do here? What would I say I do do here? Well, I'm Boom Guy. I am the host of another podcast. I would say rival, but we are far behind you in the dust. Uh, it's called Winning Hand, and we do a podcast every other week about Marvel Champions. So you should check it out if you want to. Uh, it's on all the podcatchers. We're on YouTube and all that. Just Google Winning Hand and you'll find it. Yeah, it's a great little show. Uh, I say little because you talk about one card at a time instead of That's like true. a whole set. Yep. Yeah. And you, you were on. You were a guest a few episodes back. I was, yeah. I had a great time. We talked about the... Superpower adaptation card out of the Rogue Hero set. So I've yeah. been really enjoying that. So, Boom Guy, is this like a hero-centered podcast you run? Well, I wouldn't say we're centered on anything other than Marvel Champions. Unfortunately, okay. we don't talk about the encounter sets or the villains. You don't we need to. We talk about aspect cards, so they're not hero, but hero-adjacent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good, Steve. They're not competing with you. Awesome. Yeah, so if you haven't listened, give us a listen. We talk about one card. We break down the art and the theme and the strength of the card and give it a final rating and, you know, what we've been playing recently. It's a good time. Yeah, it's a nice show. Uh, I highly recommend folks go check it out. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. When we normally have a guest, uh, we like to ask a couple questions. We're going to put you in the interrogation room here. So let's talk it's about your history with the Marvel Champions. Yeah, we, we're gonna, we have the comfy chair over there. Um, so sit down, get in the spotlight. Tell us about your Marvel Champions history. Like, how did you get into the game? And, or, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I am really enjoying your villainous lair. I just, do you have to tie my hands so tightly? It's a little, it's, we just it's want, fine. We just want you to be comfortable, Boom Guy. That's all. Okay, that's fine. And Oh, and my feet, too. Okay, that's fine. We'll, yeah, we'll yeah. be all right here. It's for um, your safety, so you don't yeah. bump into anything. It's, it's Thank really you. I am prone to hurting myself during podcasting, so thank you for that. Um, So my journey with the game, I started with the very first hero pack. Um, I got in right after the core set, so I picked up a used core set from somebody, and then I jumped in with Miss Marvel and Captain America and um, started from there. And I've been pretty into it ever since. I would say the first wave I played kind of casually, like a lot of people, I think I play a lot of other board games too. So it was just one of the board games I played. And then right around the first box that came out, The Rise of the Red Skull, I just got really, really into it and have been playing it as my most played game ever since. Far and away, the game I play the most. And um, 
Yeah, I really have enjoyed it. I think that's honestly, you know, I tell people when they want to get into the game, we get questions like this in our podcast. And I think the best way to play is from the beginning. You know, you don't have to do a progression style necessarily, but I really think I gained a lot from the game by starting so early and growing with the card pool. I think jumping in now, you'd really, I don't know, it'd be a little overwhelming. And I think there'd be a lot of cards I would have never even used at all i would have just left in the box because they're just not as good as the newer cards some of them uh so it's really good i'm really glad i i grew with the card pool and learned how to play it's my first lcg so yeah it's kind of my experience awesome i would definitely suggest new players do the same thing that you were saying um because they they won't encounter they'll they'll encounter the power creep naturally they'll get the progression of the cards they won't take that daredevil from the corset and never use it because Mm -hmm. you know it was good then but it's not good now like you just talked about on your recent show Um, yeah that was our most recent episode was daredevil and it it yeah it's that's how it is right like if you started now and you jumped in with you know the next evolution cycle and played all those heroes you'd be like wow these are great and then you'd go back to some of the older heroes and be like why would anyone buy I'm not going to throw any heroes under the bus. Actually, this is the right show for that. Why would anyone buy War Machine or Hawkeye? Because they're crap. Mm, Um, Yep. So I'll just keep playing Cable. Um, (laughs) You know, like, there's just the power creep is here. And then the aspect cards, too, right? There's just a lot of cards that, uh, I mean, Tac Team didn't get played even in the core set. But there's some cards that just have been outpaced. and, And I'm glad I got to play them when the time was right. But their time has kind of passed since then. So we like to beat up on the heroes here. Um, who is mm-hmm. your favorite hero to beat up on? Well, I like seeing my man Vision in action a lot. Okay. I don't necessarily like to see him lose, but <laughs> I I will say I have a um I am a little bit of a you know I like the heroes a little bit I I I'm a hero sympathizer you might say. Steve, and, why don't you tighten those straps a little bit? Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's a little much. Okay. okay. Um, but you know, I I don't really like the the really powerful heroes. I tend to gravitate towards the mid to low tier heroes. So I know I threw out Hawkeye and War Machine a minute ago. I actually play them quite a bit because they're bad. Um, <laughs> and I I just like the challenge of playing bad heroes. Uh, nice. So I I play a lot of those ones that that don't get a lot of love from other people. Um, and I tend to stay away from the ones that are consistently ranked pretty high just because i i think i like the challenge and, and i like to be a little maybe be different i think nice i feel exactly the same way and the other games that i play of the lc like i i run a bomber deck in lord of the rings so, a boy yeah you know i like the underdog heroes and you know a lot of this steve a lot of what bomb guy is saying or boom guy is saying is relevant i think to the the question we got from a listener mm. oh like it kind of segues beautifully into how my response to the question would begin. So doesn't someone want to ask me something? I, I do want to ask you something. I'm trying to think what it was. Oh, Daniel, I can't yeah. remember what I was supposed to ask you. So why don't you just tell me what's on your mind? <laughs> Thank you, Boom Guy. That's great. Uh, we got an email. We got an email from Anthony Y. All right. And here's what he has to say. 
Electronic mail. <laughs> Electronic mail. Hi, guys. Let me start by saying I love the podcast. I'm all caught up on episodes and have learned a lot about card interactions and different challenges I can try. You all do a fantastic job of making the show fun, and I look forward to the new episodes so I have something to listen to at work. A little explanation for my question. This is my first LCG. My wife and I have been playing for just over a year now. We play weekly, often multiple times a week. I've never played Lord of the Rings or Arkham Horror, but I'm aware those games have run for a long time. My question is this. When does this game get to be overwhelming? At what point will we look at our Marvel Champions box and think, wow, I don't even know where to start or what deck to build? I don't mean this to sound negative. We love the game and Marvel and want it to continue. Just curious what you think, or if this has happened with the other LCGs you've played. Thanks for the content and keep up the great work. Thank you, Anthony. Why? Mm. That is a lovely great. question. The reason I thought that it, was a, that it was relevant to what Boom Guy was saying was the, about the progression and the power creep of things. And so I have often complained about, especially Lord of the Rings, mm -hmm. um, that the more cards I had in my collection, the fewer of them I actually used. And you, you know, there were aspects in that game where they were like, okay, I'm going to build a spirit deck. Well, you automatically knew 27 of your 50 cards, right? Like it was just sort of pre-built. All the decks began to look alike. And you had so much stuff in a box that you never looked at. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I sort of have that complaint too with Arkham, but it's a very different game. And you're building through experience points and you have, are kind of forced to use a bunch of your of your collection it has its staples for sure but like in lord of the rings it became a problem and and i really fell out of love with that game um when it began to get samey um so but this game is really different yeah i think the reason for the lord of the rings what you're saying about having to play those cards is the difficulty of the scenarios continue to grow yeah but you couldn't just go grab some older cards that were maybe of of a even just a middle power level no. and use them effectively. If you ever wanted to win the fun yeah. deck, the experimental deck, like kind of was, you just annoy people if you played that. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like not everyone was happy to see bomber. So, but like this game, I think is a little different. So first off, maybe you guys know this. How many aspect cards are there? Like how many to different cards are there in each aspect? 60, maybe. I don't know. Uh, more than maybe, that, I would say. Maybe, okay. So, yeah, probably more than that, but not. it's not a ton, right? Yeah, yeah. But, or especially compared to the other games. Now, Anthony, why, at some point, there's going to be 500 Justice cards. And it's yeah. going to probably get to the same thing where every Justice deck has these same six. But the thing that they're doing nicely with this game is, one... Each aspect has themes it can go in. Um, so the themes might have a staple, but it's at least that you're not, you're, you're, sort of, you're sort of branching out that way. And then the biggest change here is the heroes who have their 15 cards. And I think that allows for a lot of creativity because they always have their, their own anchor staple cards and you can do a whole lot with every hero. And I, I think every hero can be used in every aspect. And... I just think there's more flexibility actually with this game and it will continue to be that way. Even when it has an equivalent card pool of, of Lord of the Rings, I think it'll still be a little bit more exciting to deck build for, and you'll have more variety. So when does the game get too overwhelming? It could, for some people it is already right. Like yeah. <laughs> imagine for sure. casual, sure. casual gamers, like you need a core set and maybe 
you get a hero packed of a hero you like and have heard of along the way, you know, you're not buying everything, but definitely I think what boom guy said about progression, if you're starting now is the way to go. One other thing I'd like to say is there's a lot of options on the villain you want to play or the campaign you're going to play. So you can, you can say, I'm going to play mutant Genesis. So you can just eliminate a lot of cards from your card pool and say, I'm just going to play with, X-Men themed or Mutant Genesis wave cards and the core set cards, right? So you can you can create some artificial limitations which will help you deck build or help you start. Because he asks, where do we even start, right? When do, when do we get to that? And, and that can be difficult. There's like 40 plus heroes, right? So you could pick themes and those themes will have chances to win. You can still beat the villains, unfortunately. Uh, okay. Um, I guess from a player, player's point of view, that's good. Uh, uh, but yeah, you can say, I'm only going to play Avengers. I only want to try Champions. Or uh, set some odd limitations on yourself that allow you to deck build. And there's a lot of cool websites out there, Marvel CDB and the Discords, which have like a card of the day or a deck spotlight or a hero spotlight. So those are places where you can start your deck build. Say, oh, well, what what am I being asked to play from these third-party sources? Let me just start there and play it, you know, with that hero. So hopefully those are some ideas, uh, you know, for somebody who gets a little overwhelmed or where to start, where do I start? I think the other part of where to start is which villain am I going to play? What modular set am I going to play? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I think it's really great, like you mentioned, the variability. I think this isn't a Lord of the Rings podcast, so I don't want to get too far into that. But while Lord of the Rings had encounter sets, it wasn't really modular because you always played the same ones. It was static. And ultimately, yeah, it was static. So I think one of the things is that the card pool got kind of samey, but also once I played a scenario three, four, five times, like I had already played it, and there was some variability built into some of them. Um, but you had played them all, like they were always the same. So I think this game definitely benefits from that. This is one of my favorite parts of the game, is that it's got this modular system where you can just play villain and with anything else. So I think that's really helpful. But, you know, to answer Anthony's question a little bit, um, you guys kind of said a lot of it, but I do think if you're getting into the game now, it probably is overwhelming. Like you probably, if you're a crazy person like me, and you got in, and you immediately bought everything, which is what I did for Lord of the Rings. I got in after the game was already dead and bought it all. Oof. Yeah, it's a um, lot of money. <laughs> it's like, you're over... Because then you have this box, and you're like, I don't know, where do I start? You know, like, what scenario do I want to play? What hero do I want to build? I have to build all this from scratch. I don't know these cards, so I have to read through them all, you know? For me, like I mentioned before, having grown with the game, as I played all those cards a lot as they were coming out. So now I still remember what they do, you know, two years after I stopped playing them, for example. So I think it is overwhelming. And I think what you said, Steve, is a great idea. Like limit yourself, just start from the beginning or start with a cycle and play that and have some self-restraint that you didn't show when you bought it all, but maybe show it when you're trying to play it. And that might help you have a little more fun and not feel like, paralyzed and you look at the box and you're like i don't know should i play war machine or nebula or cable i don't know and then you play something else (laughs) (laughs) right absolutely you know another thing too not just variability of of like the modular sets and the villains and stuff but the way that this team or this game allows for difficulty variations 
is huge. Yeah. I mean, I like I wanted to ditch Lord of the Rings when it was, it was too hard, or you had to build very specific decks to take on a scenario. You just don't have to do that here. And if you're struggling yeah. and you're losing a lot, there's lots of ways to make the game a little bit easier on you. Um, yeah. Or if you find it too easy, there's definitely some modular sets out there that will change that for you. So yeah. And if you don't know how to deck build, like the strength of the game is that it's built on the idea that you can go to the counter, buy a deck, open it up, and start playing. Yep. And are those the greatest decks? No. But are no, they but fun? they're functional. They they're, they're functional. They're fun. They teach you how the hero works. Yeah. Um, and they give you great ideas for uh, what next with that hero. Exactly. And deck building can be overwhelming, and that's why I don't do it for this game. You I've don't deck steal, No, I've steal decks off of Marvel. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see. I'm happy to let the real geniuses build things that I can then play suboptimally. Yeah, I've seen posts online, I don't know what you guys think about this, um, for people who just keep a deck for every hero built at all times. Have you guys seen that? That's like a whole subculture. People create these decks, and then they just never take them apart. Every hero has its own deck? That's yep, weird. you just take it out and play it. So that's just, I mean, that would basically be a pre-con for everybody, but you could uh, tweak it or adjust it. Yeah, um, essentially. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I I like the deck building. Sometimes I like uh, doing a five minute deck build and just throw it together and see what happens. Sometimes I like to steal one off of you know the interwebs. Um, sometimes you know I like to play the precons a few times and then take them apart and tweak them. So yeah, it, there's a lot of choices. I think one thing people have to not worry about is every game doesn't have to be a win. Every game doesn't have to be perfect either, right? So. Yeah. Pick up a deck and play it and be like, oh, I, I, this was terrible. It's fine. Try another one. Do a different <laughs> one. It's okay. Yeah. No, it's okay. Nobody cares except for maybe you because, you know, you're like, oh, no. But don't, don't worry about it. Just try something else. So. And there's no yeah. shame in scooping because you're not having fun and starting over. Nothing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And let me ask you guys this. Just a quick question. I'm curious. How many decks do you have built at a time generally? I'm assuming you have an entire card pool. You have the whole set. If that's wrong, let me know. But how many decks do you have built at a given time? I do have all the cards and about five decks. I have a four-player game group, and we all play out of one collection, mine. Oh, wow. um, Even though somebody else has a full collection, he just never seems to bring his own decks with him. Phil, I'm talking to you. Um, Phil. Phil. So I'll have, I usually have four or five decks together at all times. So like one for each aspect and then like something else that, you know, kind I, that I could build, right? A couple justice decks and then one aggression, one protection, one leadership, that kind of thing. Mm. I also own the whole collection. Um, I play 0.01% of my games in person with cards. Um, so my collection is all separated and I don't have any decks built and I only build them when it's time to go to the rare in-person play session that I have of this game. And I don't wow. play solo. I don't play solo. I don't enjoy it. So, yeah. Okay. I'll, but it's easy to build decks because yeah. I organized it well. And yeah. So, yeah. I usually have anywhere between like three and maybe as many as 10 sometimes. Nice. Um, I feel like I go through periods where I want to play the game, but I also go through periods where the way I want to interact with the game is just building decks. So, I'll like want to play sometimes and I'll pull my cards out and build a deck, and then realize I'm having fun, and then I'll build another deck, and then I'll build another deck, and pretty soon I've got six decks there. 
and <laughs> maybe I'll play a game yeah. after that, or maybe I won't. I've just enjoyed looking through the cards and reading them and thinking about synergies and building them. And I've spent, you know, 90 minutes just kind of playing with the cards and I built decks and then I may play those over the next few days or weeks, or sometimes they get taken apart and I never play them. Um, but there's different ways for me to enjoy the game. It's not always playing a game the way we think about it. Right on. It's funny because the reason I usually only have four or five decks together is one of the things I like to do is put all my cards away nice and neatly. Yes. (laughs) I have to take take all the decks apart at once. If I'm going to take a deck apart, they all get taken apart so that I can then build a new deck and have everything at my disposal. Yes. Yes. Just playing with the cards, fiddling around with them, resorting them, moving around. That's half the game. That's half the game. Anthony Y., thank you so much for the kind words and for this great question that clearly sparks some conversation. But, Steve, we rarely have guests on unless there's, like, a thing for them to do. What's happening? I, I see I see what you're doing. You're like, oh, we could talk all night. We better get moving. <laughs> we got to move. <laughs> Especially because, ironically, Boom Guy complained that our episodes were too long. Oh, that's true. This, yeah. is, this is your fault. <laughs> uh, well, Boom Guy is here to talk about Gambit's nemesis, Belladonna. So, uh, Boom Guy, you're up. Get, give us some learning. Yeah, well, you guys are here because you want a podcast. I'm here because I don't actually think I'm free to leave. But um, <laughs> since we're here, we might as well podcast. We can let okay. you loose after you tell us well, what we yeah, need to hear. We'll see how yeah. well you do. Yeah. My hands are going numb, but let's just lean into it. Okay, so we are talking about Belladonna Boudreaux. Um, I'm very certain some of my pronunciation in this will be wrong. So let's just lean into it. Sit down, strap in, and let's enjoy it. So Belladonna Boudreaux was created by Scott Lobdell and Jim Lee. And her first appearance was in X-Men Volume 2, Number 8, which is... Can you guys guess the year that she first appeared? Say the number again. X-Men Volume 2, Number 8. Um, can I guess, Steve, because you probably know? Oh, you, you could guess, yeah. Um, I would say that Belladonna appeared in 1982. Uh, I, I was going to also say early 80s. Since it no, was May two. of 1992. Oh, okay. okay. So, yeah, older than all of us. How um, long does the volume go? Is that like a year or does it depend? It depends. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. When, did, when was the X-Men cartoon out? 94, because, I think. Is it 94? Was that when it started? Yeah, okay, I think so. I, I know she's in the cartoon, and I was curious if they if this was one of those reverse situations where they put her in the cartoon and then added her to the comics, but it does you know, not sound like that. Hm. Are you a big fan of the cartoon, Steve? Because she only appeared in one single episode. I looked this up. I recently watched that episode, so ah, okay. I'm trying to go back and rewatch the <laughs> X-Men stuff. So All right. I was curious. I was like, oh, did she, you know, because I watched the show a little bit when I was a kid. And I went back and looked, and she only appeared... In a single episode. Um, anyway, let me tell you a little bit about her. So we'll get do her backstory a little bit first, and then we'll get into kind of powers, and then we'll get into some other weirdness. So Belladonna Boudreaux met a young boy named Remy LeBeau. That may sound familiar, and we'll come back to him. They met as kids and became fast friends, although for Remy, he thought it was love at first sight. So they're a little bit at odds right from the start. They came from opposing guilds. They're both from New Orleans. And Remy came from the Thieves Guild. Bella came from the Assassin's Guild. So right away, 
there's more tension. When they became older, their fathers, the heads of these two guilds, arranged a marriage, and that was intended to unite the guilds and bring peace. And they married, but shortly after the wedding, immediately thereafter, in fact, Bella's brother Julian challenged Remy to a fight to the death. Oh. Now, as we know, one of those two, Remy or Julian, went on to a long, glittering career, so you probably know who lost that duel. Oh. It was Bella's brother Julian. Spoiler alert, Remy's still alive. <laughs> so... Bella's brother Julian was killed, and as a result, Remy was uh, exiled. He had to leave New Orleans, so he left Belladonna Boudreaux behind. That's the first time he's leaving her behind, so we're going to keep count of that. So later on, a few years later, Belladonna had to go seek out Gambit because she needed to fight an invasion of the Brood. They were attacking the guilds in New Orleans, and she needed help from the X-Men and specifically Gambit. So she persuaded them to come to New Orleans to help. They did help. They fought. Um, And then at the end of that fight, Belladonna fell into a coma. Gambit thought she was dead. And so he left to find the elixir of life. So he left her behind. That's the second time he's now left her behind. We're we're keeping score here. Oh, boy. So um, during that coma, when she was kind of fighting to regain consciousness, she accidentally touched Rogue and lost her memories. So she has no memory of Gambit. When he comes back, you know, she doesn't know him anymore. He found this elixir to try to save her. There's drama. There's tension. Now, her memory did slowly return, and she became angry at Rogue because she thought her memories had been kind of violated at this touch when everything was stolen from her, even though it was unintentional. So she kidnaps Rogue's old boyfriend. His name was Cody. She kidnapped him in a ploy to get back at Rogue and then maybe Gambit because he came back to help as well. Um, The boyfriend, Clay, or excuse me, Cody, you probably haven't heard of him. That's because he died then. So the the death count is also racking up here. But she battled Gambit as a result. You know, uh, she battled Rogue and Gambit kind of stepped in to help Rogue. And after that battle, Gambit left again. So if you're keeping score of how many times he's left her behind, that's number three. So... Time goes by, there's lots of hero shenanigans, and then um, the Assassin's Guild is chasing down a target some years later. His name is Charles, uh, not the Charles you're probably thinking of. His name is Charles Helder. Anyway, so Belladonna is leading some assassins to track this guy down. Um, And then someone was hired to protect Charles. His name is Deadpool. You may have heard of him. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. He was hired. He killed a bunch of those assassins. There was a showdown between Belladonna and Deadpool. Deadpool ended up killing Charles himself for reasons we don't need to get into. But after a lot of back and forth, Deadpool fights Bella and kills her. Oh. Stabs her with a katana. That's it. But and she's dead dead? Yeah, this she's is Marvel, dead. though. She's Anyone so she's who's read comics. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you know where this is going. Daniel. Sure do. You know. Yeah. She didn't stay dead. Uh, or she turns out she wasn't dead, or somehow she survived. It sure, doesn't sure. matter. Doesn't matter. She yep. she survived, and her and Gamut have mostly lived kind of peacefully since then. But there's a lot of tension. He's left her behind a lot of times. Um, she does have some run-ins later on with Kane, who became the Scarlet Spider. Um, so there's a little bit of battling there. I think Kane was hired to kill Wolverine at one point, and Belladonna was involved. It's a whole thing. 
I don't want to go down every adventure she's been in, but that's kind of a little bit of her backstory. A lot of it involves Gambit. He's very central to her. Um, there, you might say they were nemeses. <laughs> well, they were married. Or they are married? Are they still married? No, they got divorced. That was the first time he left her behind. Okay, so they got divorced. Because I'm going to say, if she did die, then you know, death did them part. So. He's released, yeah. yeah. Now, now he's okay. married to someone else, uh, Rogue, and I think they are still married in comic lore. So, okay. okay. So her hometown is New Orleans. You're asking yourself at this point, boom, guy. I have not heard you tell me what the heck she even does. What are her powers? Well, I'm getting to that. She's an assassin, so she's good at sneaking. She has insane hand-to-hand combat, and that's all well and good. But we're not here for the people who have no powers. We're here for the powers. She has telekinesis. Nice. So uh, she can kind of move things with the mind and stuff. But her main focus of her telekinesis is that she taps into the mutagenic potential of other people to give them, like, mutant powers. Oh. What does that even mean? Well, you know, like, mutants in the in the Marvel lore, they have this, they have these mutations, and right, right. rather rather than being grotesque, generally, they give them insane, cool powers. Okay. Um, so she can, like, bring that out of normal people, oh, and, like, temporarily okay. give them, like, mutant powers, or permanent, or temporary. So she can, like, trigger their mutant gene. Yeah. Okay. Pretty insane. But- yeah, that's cool. She she also has, like, part of her telekinesis is she has some kind of astral projection, and she can enter the astral plane and, like, create things out of her mind energy there. So she's had, like, run-ins with Psylocke and stuff there. So, like, it's... That's cool. And she can shoot little plasma blasts from her hands. So hmm. those are her powers and abilities. She sounds pretty cool, like, power-wise. Yeah, she's pretty cool, actually, I think. Um, yeah, so that's, that's my backstory on Belladonna. Awesome. So Thank it you. does feel like she's a good fit for Gambit. We like to see that. Yeah. They fit together. Uh-oh. Bananas. Bananas. Hi, Mike. Is it time for the obligation? Almost. You're about 12 seconds know? early. How does yeah. he know? Every, he, every time. Guy's got super, there's his superpower. Yeah. All right. Yeah, um, that's his superpower. Boom guy, thank you. That was awesome learning. Yeah, you're welcome. Anytime. Oh, uh, I like Belladonna. So Belladonna, she seems to be very tied to Gambit. How would you, Daniel, how would you kind of bring that out in card form? Whoa, you're getting way ahead of us here now, Boom guy. Yeah, yes. yeah. Oh, you I'm as sorry. our guest, you get to read Belladonna. That is your gift. <laughs> um, so, so Steve. Yes, Daniel. Don't you have a thing that you always say at this point? Yeah. So let's take a look at these cards. This is the. <laughs> these cards are out of the Mutant Genesis Wave. The Gambit Pack five cards total, four by title, plus just for Mike the obligation. Take it away. Yeah. This is Guild business. An obligation. Give to the Remy LeBeau player. Alter ego action. Exhaust Remy LeBeau and spend an energy resource. Remove guild business from the game. It has a hazard icon and two boost icons. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I like that you can't just get rid of it right away. Mm-hmm. You do have to go to Alter Ego, which he does like to be in anyway, so I don't know yeah. about that. He does. I quite yeah. like this obligation and obligations like this where 
they're not the the standard flip throttle to go exhaust and get rid of it. Yep. Because um, you could just leave it there. Like you could just let it sit there. Not an event. It can just sit there and if you're okay with the hazard icon. I think I like it in that way. Yeah. I mean it doesn't take away your key thing that your deck's doing. It just you can, you can handle a card, right? Yeah. Well, heck, even four player more. game, it's only your card every four turns. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's impressive. I, I mean, Remy LeBeau, <laughs> Alter Ego, does want to exhaust to use his ability. He may be exhausting to defend. Uh, he might be able to ready, depending on the cards he has out. Costs you an yep. energy resource, so it does cost something as well as the exhaust. So possibly you don't have the right resource. Possibly. Yeah. Um, and it's, it is unfortunately removed from the game, so I guess the guild goes out of business when he's done with it. <laughs> it it does have insane art actually and for a card that might sit on the table for a little bit that's always a benefit mm, good point i never thought about that yeah yeah i i like it. i think it's a pretty good obligation i like that yeah. it's different yeah very cool yeah i like this one i i definitely think uh the hazard icon should only apply to the remy lebeau player and when we when i play this card we always house rule that like if you're Gambit, this is your card. So take care mm. of this. Oh, interesting. interesting. That sounds like uh, a good idea. No one's going to take care of this for you. Like you got to handle it. So love it. All right. All yeah, right. Thanks, okay. guys. I will see you the next obligation. All right. Bye, Mike. <laughs> you are obligated to wow. return next time. And now the woman of the hour, Boom Guy. Mm. Ah. All right. So now we have arrived at Belladonna herself. She is. Gambit's nemesis minion. She is a two scheme, three attack, five health minion. She's an assassin. She's elite. She has quick strike and toughness. And she has a force response when she attacks. After Belladonna attacks and defeats a character, you place two threat on the main scheme. And she has three boost icons. Oh my god. This is a tough nemesis minion. Yeah, uh, she's pretty good. She's pretty good. Yeah. She's fantastic. No, I've not played Remy LeBeau, though I've been at a table with someone who was. Is he that good that he needs a nemesis this strong? I always feel like the nemesis kind of balance out the, the strength of the hero. Um, and she's just bonkers good. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm not the strongest Marvel Champions player. I don't think Gambit is that good. But okay. maybe Steve disagrees. Uh, he's pretty good. I mean, I've re- I've been playing a couple games recently with Gambit in preparation for this. And I even played where I just shuffled these cards into the encounter set deck just as my modular because I wanted to see it her more. And I lost several games uh, because of this modular set. I, I don't... I mean, he's good in the fact that he can stay in Alter Ego and remove threat. So her quick strike gets neutered that way. Um, but I don't know if he's super great. Like, because <laughs> I mean, I would I, put her real high up on the on the power level. Yeah, um, I mean, I think Gambit is maybe the weakest of the X Men cycle. Um, maybe that's a hot take. I'd, I mean, he can I'd, do I'd... some damage though, right? I mean, if he's got a couple, if he's got like three of his counters. And he's got his one card that he can do like seven damage with piercing and overkill, so he can just wallop her um, with one card. 
Um, yeah. There's a couple other options he has where he can spread the damage out, but I don't know. I I like this card, so I don't really care how good Gambit is or not. So yeah, I I think he, you know, one of the things that she's doing right is preventing you from chump blocking with minions, which I think right. is really cool. Um, I like that a lot, and that means that he has to either defend, which he doesn't always mind doing because he sometimes gets a free ready if he takes no damage, but um, forcing him to defend and really coming at him is what uh, Nemesis should be doing, right? Like, she's not coming after their, your allies. She's here for you. So, yeah, I like that a lot. You just throw those guys in the way. That's bad for you with that threat going on in the main scheme. That, that's, that's a fun uh, it's a fun force response. And we'll see yeah. that it might be kind of a theme here. Hmm. Because she doesn't travel alone, gentlemen. Mm. She comes with two guild assassins who are Ooh. normal minions with one scheme to attack. They're assassin traded with only two hit points, but they also have quick strike and a force response that after they, a guild assassin attacks and defeats a character, place one threat on the main scheme. So they're like little mini Belladonnas. Yeah. And they have two boost icons. Yeah, I love that theme that they're like her, but just not quite as tough. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then they both have quick strike. That's that's really great. Yeah. That's keyword. Stats are slightly less than hers. Doesn't have the toughness, slightly lower boost, but the I mean, the theme is solid, right? That's what she's doing as an assassin. These guys are doing it too. So mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't matter I, that they have two hit points because they quick strike you. They quick strike. Yeah. 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 Now. Hawkeye, Hawkeye ally kills him first, right? Yes, unfortunately. Yes. Unfortunately, yep. that is too bad. Yeah. So the one thing I'll say about the Guild Assassin and Belladonna, I wish that they interacted with Gambit in some way to force him out of Alter Ego. You know, like, she has Quick Strike, but if she attacks Gambit, like, she makes you flip if you're an Alter Ego or something, just to kind of, like... Mm. I don't know, because you can't avoid the quick strike, and if they all have quick sure. strike, and he wants to be an alter ego anyway because of his threat removal, so I feel like I want a way to, to force him out. But... but maybe, Boom Guy, that's what this next card is for. Wait, what? Mm, Steve. No, it's that's no way that's what this card's for. But I'll read it anyways. <laughs> uh, assassination attempt is a treachery. When revealed, each assassin minion attacks you, even if you're in alter ego form. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. If there are no assassin minions in play, search the encounter deck and discard pile for an assassin minion and reveal it. One boost icon. Now, Steve, rule question: When you reveal it that way, its quick strike won't go off if you're an alt, right? Right. Quick strike is only going to go off if you're in hero right. form. No matter. But no matter the card's what. Card saying like they'll attack you even if they're yeah. So that's gone by the time you go and dig for an assassin. Oh. Rules, yeah. Yeah. Rules clarification. Yeah. Yep. If there's if there's none in play, you won't get attacked. You'll just have to dig one out. Yeah. Right. But if you are in hero form and there's aren't any out, it will quick strike you. Right. Yep. So it, wait, but you, it but says yeah. it says reveal. So wouldn't it so quick strike you? Doesn't that only go away if you put it into play? So wait, maybe we're confusing each other. Uh the quick strike will trigger when it engages you as long as you are in hero form, regardless of any other thing that's going on, right? So if you are in hero form and there are no assassins out, you go get an assassin, you put it out, it will quick strike you. Yes. Yes. If you're an alter ego, the assassin has to already be in play 
To, You'll still find one, but it won't attack. You still find one, yeah. Now, if both of the little guild assassins are in play, you have to go find Belladonna because she's also an assassin, right? So, are there other traded assassins? Uh, I was going to ask that. Ooh, yeah, I wonder. That's a good question. Mini pop quiz. No, <laughs> me neither. There are a few other assassins. Um, okay. Dreadpool is an assassin. Uh, so, okay. if you're playing the pool He's aspect, bad. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Killmonger from the Black Panther Nemesis is also an assassin. Oh, fascinating. Okay. And then uh, Riptide from, is, an, is a Marauder assassin. So, ah. From the Mutant Slayers modular set. That's all of them? Yeah, and Riptide shows up twice, but the one version is like a villain, so that one doesn't really count. So. Okay. Uh-huh. Sweet. Good to know. Good to know. Six total assassin cards. So not a ton. Not a, Not a ton. Now, all these nemeses are trying to do something, Boom Guy. What is Belladonna up to? Well, ultimately, we have the side scheme, which is the Assassin's Guild. The Assassin's Guild has sworn to kill Gambit and the rest of the Thieves' Guild, is the flavor text. Force response. After an Assassin minion attacks and defeats a character, place two threat here. And it starts with four threat, has an acceleration icon, and three boost icons. Sweet. On theme. So if you let an assassin minion kill something, you're putting the threat that their card puts on, plus additional if this is in play. So that can get out of hand real fast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you draw Shadows of the Past. Oh, you draw Shadows of the Past. Unfortunately, Belladonna comes out and quick strikes you first. Then you work your way down the rest of Shadow of the past and then the assassin guild comes out so it's too late to ah. get it on there but it'll trigger later on yeah okay uh, yeah the side scheme yeah. hasn't come out yet when she does so true true yeah yeah but it's a fun set it all works together really well it's always nice to see a good cohesive set from uh the nemesis minions I like so that. good yeah oh it, it, it's great great i say try it out as a modular because it doesn't doesn't rely on it being Gambit, right? It it can work against anybody. So yeah, this totally could. And her art on the main minion card is insane. I quite like that art. Yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. Now, Steve, I'm going to tell you something. What are you going to tell me? This is my favorite Nemesis set. Really? Whoa, whoa! Hands down, I think it is the best. I absolutely love it. And I think I love it for the same reason that I love Space Pirates and think that these two should go into every scenario you play. Oh, really? The feature of, of Quick Strike and like cards that are all on theme and kind of do a similar thing and change how this game normally challenges you. You don't I, think I just, I love it. You don't, you don't think it's too samey? Because sometimes nope. you complain cards are too I do. Samey. I will complain about that, but the sameness I complain about is a different kind. This okay. is like theme support, not like every card is doing the same thing. It's slightly different. Gotcha. Um, I love it. I think this is A++. This and Space Pirates. Wow. They're the best, they're the best in the game. Play with them every time. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. I love right. it. I absolutely love it. I wish this set had another copy of Assassination Attempt, maybe, and one fewer Guild Assassin, because I think the Assassination Attempt card is, is really, really fun. Yeah. Or... Yeah, I agree. Because then it would just go fetch that guild assassin anyway. So right, it would just keep yeah. pulling him out all the time. It's a two hit point minion, so it's going to go away pretty quick. But if you have to constantly pull it out again, and it's going to quick strike you, 
it's really good. So if you have to give it a letter grade, what do you got? Remembering that we are the villains here, and the higher, the it's better for the villains, right? So. Yeah, I would say this is a solid B plus for me. B plus. Oh. Yeah, I think it's really good. I think I don't like the side scheme as well. I think it's a little easy. I wish it had maybe another icon or a little more than four threat. Um, I don't know. I think it's four threat isn't too tough to clear, and you're going to clear it so you don't get all that extra threat on. I think you could. It could be a little nastier. So I'm going to give it a B plus. Four per player I, yeah. would be great. Yeah. How about per player? Was that would never go away? That was no, not, that's not this. I think this doesn't go away as much because it's not that big of a deal and it's not going to hit you very, like, I think it might, like, Steve, we recently played a game that had so many side th- side schemes out. Like, this just wouldn't have been something we prioritized, I don't think. I Yeah, you're probably right. You know, we were already, had a bunch of explosions, but, like, we were struggling already and the other side schemes were much more important. And I guess it's scenario dependent, of course, but, like, this is one of those things that it's going to sit out there and you're be like, whatever. Um, there's not that many assassins, but then sometimes it's just going to get you. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, mm-hmm. I think it stays out. Now there are cheap, cheap, cheaty justice ways of g- getting rid of side schemes as well as, you know, while you're doing other work, but I, I, I almost wish it, it put threat on a scheme every time an assassin came into play or something to really play on the assassination attempt card that every time you bring an assassin in, it puts something on rather than doubling down on the defeating them to really kind of punish you for well, them popping out yeah. and trying to kill you all the time. I don't know. Yeah. I well, that's a good point. yeah. I think overall we are pretty positive on this as a Absolutely. nemesis set though. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. One of the better ones for sure. There's some weak ones in here. I'm glad I was here to discuss this one. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks for what you brought. That's me. I'm boom guy. <laughs> yeah. Boom guy. Tell the folks again where they can find you and the rest of your crew. If they want to listen to your show. Yeah. Well, until you release my hands, um, I think they'll find me in your lair. But generally, they can find me at the Winning Hand podcast. We have an Instagram, Winning Hand podcast, Winning Hand podcast at Gmail. You know, we're on YouTube, Winning Hand podcast. So find us there. We put an episode out every two weeks. We have some pretty exciting plans coming up in the spring of this year. So. When you're listening to this, it's going to be coming up very quick. We have a big February planned um, and big stuff leading up to the Con of Heroes this year. So, excellent. Oh, excellent. Will you be yeah. at Con of Heroes? I will be at Con of Heroes. How about you guys? I bought my ticket today. All right. I am a tentative 50-50. That's better than a zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But again, thank you so much for being here, Boom Guy. This was great. Um, you know, Steve, if people want to tell us that we're great, they can do it by emailing us at criticalencounterspod at gmail.com for Critical Encounters on Facebook. You can find our YouTube channel or Patreon by searching for Critical Encounters Podcast. And on Discord, we are Mardane, Big Foam Loaf, Wandering Tuke, and Boom Guy. Now, if you like our show, tell your friends. If you don't like our show, tell your enemies. Hey, Scarlet Spider, take us out. Belladonna Boudreaux, leader of the Assassin's Guild. Beautiful, smart, lethal. If she weren't screwing up my life so badly, I think I might fall for her. I'll cut those.
zip ties. Okay, you're free to go. Oh, wow. Thank you. You, uh, you did a good enough job. Now that I'm no longer under duress, uh, I will tell everybody how awesome your podcast is. And they're obviously already listening, so I don't need to tell them to listen, but it's it's really good. So uh, nice. um, thank you guys for having me here. And I'm a loyal listener, and I hope people keep uh, keep sharing it with their friends. Thank you. Thank you.